Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pages of HR. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast provides insightful conversations about HR-related books with the writers who create them. By the end of these conversations, we hope that you'll have actionable insights for your business, best practices to tap, and new information to ponder. I'm going to kick off our conversation uh, taking a page out of your book. Uh, And after I ask you this question, just please tell me what comes to mind. How can I best prepare leaders to be the kind of leaders needed in these uncertain times? Well, that was actually the driving question for my book, Leading with Wisdom, Sage Advice from 100 Experts. And as I asked these sages, who I define as really some of the top thought leaders in the field at the time, I mean, some of those people have passed now, like Warren Bennis, but I interviewed Margaret Wheatley and Jim Collins and some of the gurus at the time. Um, The times were uncertain because we had just kind of come out of the financial crisis and Because of what I learned and each theme that I heard became a chapter in the book, that led me to my latest book called Breadcrumb Legacy. That's awesome. Okay. So of course, leading with wisdom, sage advice from a hundred experts, you interviewed more than a hundred thought leaders uh, or sages, uh, as you call them, about leadership. And your research revealed that understanding ego development should be part of leadership development, which I, I love. You said that understanding the ego is essential for gaining insight into what motivates and drives leaders. And this understanding is needed to understand yourself, more importantly, I think. Yeah. Uh, And that so much of leadership involves initiating, leading, and sustaining change. And the ego can enhance or inhibit change efforts. Yes. Now, 2023 was a whirlwind for the HR industry. Yes. And we saw everything from massive tech layoffs to the uh, return to office mandates, uh, backpedaling on DEI efforts uh, in AI and tech advancements that threaten some jobs and industries, and of course, so many more things. Because of the way that these messages and, uh, and announcements were delivered, buzzwords like emotional intelligence, empathy, yeah. kindness, and gratitude, they popped up and they were tied to the workplace. Uh, and not only to that, but to my surprise, to leadership. Yes. I say all this to say, um, there were many leadership do's and don'ts, you know, and in the world in general, I think we're looking for better leaders. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that? I have a lot of thoughts about that. <laughs> First of all, I've been beating the servant leadership drum for a long time. Now, my definition of servant leadership is leaders should clear obstacles, not be the obstacle. So in order to not be the obstacle, leaders really have to know themselves and leadership comes from within. So, and the most important person to lead is yourself. So that's why I take a real personal, you know, you really have to do a lot of deep work, Mm -hmm. inner work, I call inner work on yourself in order to be a really healthy leader. And so what was was, uh, refreshing or kind of a positive silver lining, if you can say that, during COVID is COVID empowered workers. So for once, workers felt like they had some power. And it also, COVID gave workers, all employees at all levels, time to pause and think about, what do I want to do with my life? And am I, am I where I want to be and doing what I want to do? And this whole idea of meaning and purpose, which is important for people at any age or stage of career. So the silver lining was all of a sudden leaders are having to really think about their workers. How can I 
retain them? How can I attract them? How, you know, what do they need? What do they want? And so that was really encouraging to me that servant leadership leaders were having to say, I have to be more compassionate, even though people like myself have been, you know, saying this for decades, but they're like, I have to pay attention to workers, what they want. I have to create a workplace that's meaningful for them to come to. So there were some really positive, you know, they called it, you know, the great resignation. Others called it the great reckoning, you know, where workers were really trying to decide where, how do I want to spend my time? Where do I want to work? So all of that is really encouraging. Now, the research that I've done lately, and I do write a column for Training Magazine, both in print and online called Leading Edge. One of the things that uh, the research that I've done is I do believe hybrid workplace, work place, workforce, I believe it's here to stay because employees like autonomy, they like flexibility. But I believe that remote work, totally remote work, unless it's unusual work, I believe that hybrid is better because I think there's value to be gained from going into a workplace. You know, we used to say, you know, the water co- the water cooler conversations, you know, Bumping into people, colliding with people, having conversations, it adds to creativity, it sparks imagination. And I think a lot of that can't happen when you're home. Plus, this whole idea of mentoring and coaching others, that's very hard to do unless you're intentional online or remotely. So, you know, once again, the way I think leadership has changed is Uh, leaders have recognized that I need to be a healthy leader. I need to create a healthy workplace. if I want to attract and retain really good employees. Yes. I love all of that. Thank you. Uh, And before I move on to my, my, my next point here, I loved how you said you've been talking about this for decades. And now it seems like, of course, everyone else is catching up. How do you feel about that? You've been blowing this horn for decades and now we're, we're here finally. Well, I'm glad we're here. You know, that's the good news. The other thing that I think is interesting is, you know, I was teaching at a small college for 30 years, teaching leadership and business management. And um, so that's why I mean decades. And decades ago in the 80s and the 90s, we there was a whole field called feminine leadership. Feminine leadership mean those characteristics that are typically demonstrated more by women. Well, these characteristics were compassion, empathy, development, growth you know, understanding, participatory management. I mean, these were considered feminine traits that women bring to the workplace. Well, I always said these are traits that everyone should bring, okay? Well, finally, they've arrived, okay? There's nothing really feminine about being compassionate, understanding, demonstrating empathy. And they started gaining traction when Daniel Goleman uh, coined, you know, the phrase or made popular the, the concept of emotional intelligence. So when emotional intelligence became popular, then all of a sudden, you know, these characteristics are being advocated for everyone. Well, I was advocating them for everyone decades ago. So yeah, I, I feel like we're making some definite strides that are long overdue. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And I think this is a great segue. Of course, you also contributed an article on our site, uh, which I will link uh, to uh, in this episode's post on our website as well. Uh, And the article is entitled Why Good Leaders Go Bad. And of course, Mm -hmm. it is a great read. Uh, But you stated that excelling as a leader has much to do with self-management. 
and knowing who you are at a deep level, right? Yes. Uh, and using this knowledge and awareness to build relationships, which as you've already mentioned, is the inner work of emotional intelligence. And of course, it all goes back to ego. So yes. where does a leader start with learning how to overcome their ego? Well, that's an excellent question because in my book, Leading with Wisdom, and I also talk about this in my latest book called Breadcrumb Legacy. So I'll have to come back. Yes. I'll have to come back. Um, I talk about ego development, but in Leading with Wisdom, one of the chapter titles is, is called uh, Leaders Don't Let Ego Win. And this chapter is about how we as leaders need to control the ego and not let the ego control us. And sometimes I, I look at the ego as like an elevator, you know, like when our ego starts taking over, it, it's going up, 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 up. And when it goes up, it tends to manifest itself in, in pretty negative behaviors, behaviors such as micromanaging, defensiveness, not open to feedback, jealousy, envy, greed, you know, these behaviors that really can create a toxic workplace for others, overly competitive. But when we control the ego, then, you know, we're all human. So I'm not saying we don't have these feelings, but we have to control them. And when we sense those feelings coming up, you know, someone got a promotion that you wanted, uh, someone got some recognition that you thought you deserved. When you sense these behaviors coming up, you have to acknowledge them and then say, you know, I need to let go of that. That's not healthy. And if I let that take over, I, I'm a leader. I'm influencing the lives of others. I'm going to create a toxic environment. So it really starts with, first of all, I think it, it, you've got to say, I want to know more about myself. I want to better control my behaviors. I want to gain in emotional intelligence. And I'm not going to be offended by what I learn because what I learn, I can use to improve. So I think it really comes, it, it really begins with, I want to be a better person. I want to be, because one of the conclusions I have in leading with wisdom is it's hard to be a good leader if you're not a good person. So I really think, you know, it, it, it has to start with, I want to become a better person. Therefore, I'll be a better leader and I'm going to be open to feedback. I'm not going to get defensive. I want to learn. I want to grow and I need this information in order to do so. Yes. That sounds like a lot of self-awareness. Uh, it is self-awareness to the max. It's uber self-awareness. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I also love you stated that basically the ego is necessary. As human beings, we have to have an ego or we would not be able to stand up. Right. That's true. I mean, you know, there's some ego involved with self-confidence, self-esteem. We want to feel good about ourselves. We just don't want it to take over. I'm sure that your listeners have worked with people who are overconfident. You know, I just talked to someone the other day who she had to let uh, a professional employee go. And she said, well, he didn't lack in self-confidence. <laughs> so, you know, overconfident, you know, overconfident, um, it can be a cover-up, you mm -hmm. know, or when people get defensive, you know, that could be a cover-up for not feeling, for insecurity. So, mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And you know what? I'm glad that you, you of course, mentioned your new work, Breadcrumb Legacy, as well. I just put it up here myself, and I think it's a great tie-in just in general to our conversation, but also what we've been saying. So Breadcrumb Legacy, you said if you release it in January, uh, how great leaders live a life worth remembering. And it may be, I don't want to say far-fetched or, or, or too soon, but legacy is, is, is something important to think of. Very important. And I want to come back and go in. I, I want to come back and do a deep dive. But I have a little teaser right now. Okay. 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 So I was doing workshops out of Leading with Wisdom. And one of the workshops is a chapter in the book called Leaders Live Their Legacy. So I would ask participants, I'd say, you know, when do we leave our legacy? And people would say, well, when we retire, we leave a career. I'd say that's true. When we die, we leave the earth. I'd say that's true. I said, well, what about today? You know, I'm leaving some of my legacy with you right now. And uh, people are like, whoa, I hadn't thought of it like that. So I coined this phrase breadcrumb legacy because we're leaving our legacy daily in bite-sized pieces all the time, okay? And if we look at it like that, because first of all, we often think of legacy at the end of life or the end of a career. Well, we don't know when the career is going to end. We don't know when the life's going to end. So we're leaving it all the time. And when we do that, it really can be our uh, a moral, inner moral compass. It really can be our North Star. It can guide, it can prevent us from having road rage. Yeah. You know, because all of a sudden, and I'll share one other quick story and then I'll have to come back to tell you more. But the other story is I was doing a workshop recently and a man said, well, don't you find it self-centered if you're thinking about your legacy all the time? And I said, well, let's not use the word legacy. Let's use the word impact. Let's use the word influence. Do you think it's self-centered to be the, be thinking about the kind of impact or influence you're having on people on a daily basis? Because if you're not thinking about it, you could be having a negative impact and creating a toxic environment. So um, I'll have to tell you more when I come back. Thank you for that. Uh, but what I also love too, of course, you're talking about what we, what we just mentioned here. So how can you learn to be a better person, uh, which will make you a better leader? It all ties in together. Yes. Well, tell me what inspired you to write leading with wisdom? Okay. That's a good question. Yeah. I had been creating a leadership course and, uh, or that was my goal when I was doing, when I was a full-time professor and I wanted to request a sabbatical and in order to request a sabbatical, you have to have a research project. So I wanted to do something on leadership because I held an endowed chair in leadership and character development. So uh, Jim Collins, this was 2004, and his book, Good to Great, had just come out. And he was speaking. I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. He was speaking in Des Moines. So I paid to go to his, his I think it was $100 a ticket because he was targeting corporate people. I paid to go to his, his talk and I w intentionally wanted to be the last person in line. Mm -hmm. So I'm the last person in line for him to sign my book. And I said, um, you know, I really would love to come. I'm going to be on a sabbatical next year. I'd love to come study with you, be an apprentice, shadow you. You know, I just would love to learn from you about your research methods. And he looked at me and he said, well, I've never really done anything like that. I don't know. That's a very kind of odd question, different question. I'd have to think about it. And at that time in 2004, 
a lot of us carried Franklin planners. They were usually a leather kind of five by seven notebook that kept your calendar and it had a notebook and, you know, you kind of carried around this Franklin planner to keep you organized. It was way, you know, way before we were using our phones as everything. So out of this Franklin planner, I pulled this article that he had written in 1999 with his picture on it. And I pulled this out and I said, I've been carrying this since 1999. And he says, okay, we'll talk. So what I was doing there is I was playing to his ego. Mm. Okay, playing a little bit to his ego. And he said, okay, we'll talk. He said, here's my card, you know, give me a call. So I called him. And at that time he said, you know, my wife has just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. Now I found out later, it turned out okay. I mean, I do think she battled breast cancer, but she's a survivor. And he said, I just cannot take on anything kind of unique and different right now. But he said, I will agree to talk with you free for an hour. And he said, I typically charge coaching clients $5,000 an hour. So he said, I'll talk to you free. And I said, for an hour. And I said, okay, fine. Well, in the course of that hour, he said to me, what do you like to do? And you know, I mentioned, I like to interview people and leadership is my focus. And he says, well, you know, there are a lot of books out there that you know, the five habits of the seven habits, seven principles, eight, you know, he said, but no one's tying it together. Why don't you interview thought leaders and tie it all together? So that's what I did. And, you know, the book says a a hundred, but I really interviewed more than a hundred. And then my breadcrumb legacy, I used the same qualitative research method and just focused on the aspect of legacy. So there are some similarities in the books, but Breadcrumb Legacy is very much a deep dive on legacy work. And I will say that I've done two TEDx talks. Mm-hmm. You'll probably put that attached to the podcast. but um, And they're mentioned on my website. And I am also very active in LinkedIn. But my two TEDx talks come out of chapters in both books. So I think people would really, you know, and they're only 12 minutes long. So, and they can be found on YouTube. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I'm definitely going to check those out. I love how you say as well, excuse me, delving back into the ego, of course, which is the the, the core of it all. Uh, uh-huh. Your ego is not your amigo. Yes. Now, I didn't <laughs> coin that. Somebody else did. Yeah. I heard that at a conference, but it resonated and I thought it. And when I did some Googling on it, it I can't really find out who the original author is because mm-hmm. they make T-shirts and pins and all of that with that. But I think if we remember that it's not really our friend, you know, we think it is because the ego wants to protect us. It wants us to say, you're right. You're not wrong. You know, you were offended. You know, you were someone did you wrong where we really have to be open and say, you know, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe my ego got out of control. And that's why in my book, you know, we're not perfect people. So in both books, I address the concept of forgiveness, of addressing, you know, making amends, Uh, we may have to apologize, you know, and uh, hopefully someone will accept our apology if that's the case. Absolutely. But it it all goes back to, as you said, being the leader uh, that we need, that others need, excuse me. I like the quote by Simon Sinek, who's now a current, he, Simon Sinek is kind of like the new Jim Collins, but Simon Sinek says, be the leader you wish you had. Hmm. I love that. I love that. And that puts in line, I I guess, too, it can tie into your legacy as well, because then you'll start behaving in a way that you're pleased with uh, and a force that you admire and that inspires you. 
And like you said, it goes back to those breadcrumbs that you're leaving. Absolutely. And I often say one piece of advice I give to people is look for role models. Who's living a life that looks attractive to you? And what is it about that life that's attractive? Mm -hmm. And if those are behaviors that you admire, why can't you learn those behaviors? Absolutely. That's powerful too. Uh, but that's also a changing of the guard, if you will, of the mindset here. Yes. Yes. It's a paradigm shift and it's a it's a really healthy mindset to have. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm great. I'm I'm happy you just said that too. That was gonna be my next question. In twenty twenty four, um, as we move forward but what mindset shifts, what should leaders be thinking about as we move forward into the new year to become a better leader? What advice do you have? I think, you know, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, but I do think that hybrid is a nice combination of uh, helping employees, giving employees some flexibility because research says they want agency, they want flexibility, they want autonomy, but, you know, they're not their boss, you know, so having them in the workplace and, and make it worthwhile for them to come into the workplace. So schedule meetings when people are coming in and, you know, I, I'm not wild about coming in three days. You pick the three days. I mean, I'm more in favor of how can you make it a good use of time when people are in the workplace? So teams, I think, should come together so that, you know, they have a chance to interact, you know, face to face. So I think, I th- but I think leaders need to be, uh, like I said, compassionate, understanding, flexible, allow autonomy. Uh, be honest, you know, give honest feedback. And one one expression I like is create a workplace where people want to be. Mm, absolutely. Clear the obstacles. Don't yep. be the obstacle. Yep. Excuse me. yep. Clear obstacles and don't be the obstacle. I love that. I love that. And of course, uh, this question I'm seeing is popping off the page to me. Uh, obviously, to keep in mind as well, are people better off because you are their leader? Yeah. And would you follow yourself? Ooh, that is, listen, you're giving some great self-awareness tips here. (laughs) Right. Would you follow yourself? And then that goes to the heart of self-awareness. Are you even reflecting on what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're saying it, where you say it? Like the classic example is, oh, I'm trying to think of the company where the CEO fired like hundreds of people online. On a Zoom. Yeah, he fired hundreds of people on Zoom. I can't think of the name of the company now. But I mean, that's just a classic example of what you don't do. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to bring that up. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's uh, Elon Musk at Twitter. Uh, well, the company is now X. Could be. Yeah. I think there's another one too. I mean, like yeah. really would common sense, I often say common sense, you know, my students used to say, well, this is just all common sense. And I'd say, yes, but common sense is not very common. So, you know, does that make sense that you would get people online on a Zoom call and tell them all at the same time that they're being eliminated? I mean, because people, you know, they're all connected and they're, con- and they all, and they have families and they have friends and, we often identify with what we do. So what you're doing online simultaneously is ripping their hearts out in front of all these people. And that was just too painful to even read. I can't imagine experiencing that. So I'm going to have to come back and tell you more stories. 
<laughs> absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Well, I have one more question for you. Okay. Um, and that is a very simple question. It's my final question. Uh, Jen, please tell me, what does your next chapter look like? That's a very good question. Well, um, I'd like to do more uh, keynote speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like, because I think my book, Breadcrumb Legacy, I think both of them really. I'm proud of both of the last two books. I've written more, but these are the only two I've written by myself. I think they're timeless because they're not what I think. It's what I learned from all of these people who truly are experts in the field. And I think it's a timeless book. I think the messages, I don't think becoming a better person is ever going to go out of style. Mm-hmm. So I think I could get key, I could do a keynote speech on almost any, any, I do executive on any chapter in the books. Um, I do executive coaching. I, as I mentioned, I write a column in training magazine. I'm active on LinkedIn. I have a monthly newsletter. If people go to my website, janfried.com, two N's and two E's, they would get a monthly newsletter where I share a lot of good resources and they would get a monthly podcast because I too have a podcast called Becoming a Sage where I interview people about wisdom, about life and work. So those are a few uh, ways that I'm looking forward to the future. Absolutely. And and where can they listen to your podcast? You know, it can be on uh, Spotify or uh Apple, wherever they get, wherever they listen to their podcast, I should be able to be found. And then, as I mentioned, the TEDx talks are on YouTube. So that's amazing. Well, Jen, thank you again. I really appreciate your time for being here. Well, thank you very much. And I appreciate, you know, the article publication and I appreciate the time spending with you. And I want to come back. Absolutely. Listen, hold me to it. We will definitely get you back for a, a, definitely a separate conversation about breadcrumbs. Crumbs, okay. excuse me. Like I said, I'm too jazzed now. To our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at HR Pages, and we're also now available on iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible. Uh, Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time when we turn the page.